Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 206 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, talking about tech tales, we have quite a few kind of interrelated ones as we're recording here. It is Sunday, December 18th in the evening, and uh, Elon Musk, businessman, probably the smartest businessman that both you and I know, has put up a poll on Twitter, a 12-hour poll asking if he should step down as Twitter CEO. So by the time this is out, there will be uh, some kind of resolution or an answer. I feel like this is like an easy out for him. I have a whole theory, Angelo, and I don't know whether or not you're ready for this one. Okay, let's let's hear it. All right. So he's been selling off uh, Tesla stock in order to both uh, finance Twitter and a bunch of other things right now, right? What if this is his way of liquidating Tesla? You think he would go that far? I feel like he's doing all this just to prove a point and But what's trolling. the point? The the point is to annoy people and see how far he can nudge them. Because do you think he believes in half the things he says? Of course not. This is a man who operates on whims, more or less. It makes you wonder. He may be the richest man in the world right now. I don't think he's, he's the smartest. He's not the richest man anymore. No, no, he's not. As oh, of this week, no. No, he's number two. Uh, after getting heckled last week at a Dave Chappelle show in San Francisco, I think he uh, he doubled down on, on feeling sad and bad and you know, uh, depressed about himself. And then he banned a bunch of journalists who were quote unquote doxing him because they're the, of the whole Elon jet account, right? So the idea there, if you are not, uh, you know, on Twitter right now, what it is, is that there was a Twitter account that was sharing the, um, comings and goings of Elon Musk's private jet. Yeah. And the, the supporters of, of Musk were very excited about this because there was proof, undeniable proof that this account was using private information, even though flight information is public. There's a bit of a nuance there to understand is that he was switching his tail call sign or whatever. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but it was switching every yeah, month. And so Elon was, Jet being was easily using, hacked. Not even hacked, just found. There was a great joke today showing him appearing at the World Cup and them saying, oh, they gotta, they're, they're doxing him now. They're doxing him, yeah. That They're going to get banned. So there's, that's one thread, right? The other thread now is if you uh, use your Twitter account to promote another social media um, platform, you will get banned. So, for example, you cannot use Mastodon uh, in your profile link. This started earlier this week, I think a few days ago, where people started noticing that if they were posting their new Mastodon link saying, hey, you guys can follow me here because I'm not going to be on Twitter as much anymore or whatever. A lot of people are leaving Twitter for various reasons. And those posts started getting taken down and people started getting banned, all kinds of weird stuff. And now today... And and some people were defending it, saying it's because uh, Mastodon has like child porn on it and stuff like that. I, I don't even know where to start with Do you that. Know how it, it makes works? me think of it's a federated thing where exactly. there's all different things, and oftentimes they'll get taken down if bad things show up on there. I mean, it's the same thing as like Discord, right? It feels like people are jumping through hoops to try and prove elon right yeah elon their hero elon the standing because he's so rich right and once again like once you start viewing that through that lens the like the tesla man can do no wrong and you know both you and i have seen so many instances of that both on twitter and at the internet uh, you know at large that like the brain worms in operation right now are just like there's so much going on um simultaneously that it's just it's it's the bending over backwards to uh uh high five the quote-unquote bastion of free speech 
which we're seeing it's not. And, you know, freedom and all that is the battle cry of those who did not like certain things that were happening with the pandemic. In the past few years, this whole thing of uh, the freedom of speech and all that has been a, a battle cry for the uh, right wing, I would say, of politics for a long time. And now with COVID and lockdowns and things like that happening, he tweeted a few things that were playing to that side of the political aisle. One of them being the whole pronouns prosecute Fauci thing, which I think that was like the last straw for me, where I said, you know what, done. I, I that's when I I created my own Mastodon account, which is basically the same as my Twitter account, except it just has at what is it at social? Forgot it, how how it works. Yeah, it's at Mastodon dot social, and so it's a weird two at thing. That's the weird thing with Mastodon is there your at name plus at. Mastodon, but who cares? It'll work. If it gets you out of the hellhole that is Twitter right now, I wonder what would happen if Elon all of a sudden just decides to troll the other way and starts posting all kinds of liberal stuff. Would the right wing, would the people that are loving him right now just do an about face and say, yeah, you guys were right. He was terrible, but they would never say the other side's right. They would say, look what he's doing now. It would honestly really surprise. I mean, it would not surprise me for him to do that. It would surprise me to see people, um, you know, uh, taking that the right way, let's say. No, it wouldn't work. It would just, he would just be hated by everyone at that point because the smart people would see right through it and the dum-dums that follow him for his stupidity would... For his glorious words, Angela, you misspoke there. Great leader is speaking really well. Is he going to ban our podcast? (laughs) Sooner or later he might. Um, Something really interesting, though, is that a lot of the way in which the uh, new Twitter policy is written uh, turns... Twitter from a platform to a publisher, right? Because all of these different social media platforms have claimed that we're not publishers. We're not in charge of the content being on there. We're just a conduit by which people post information by uh, coming out and sort of setting a strict a set of, of guidelines and things like that about what you can and cannot post in terms of like quote unquote promotion. You enter into the realm of publisher, which uh, changes the law a little bit. Do they even realize they're doing this? I do not think so. I think that legal at Twitter is trying their best, but uh, half of them were probably fired recently. Yeah, exactly. And failing miserably, I do believe. So are you going to create a Mastodon account if you have not already? So the funny thing is I created a Mastodon account years ago and it started. And so I requested my password earlier today, still have not gotten it because there's only one email address I could have definitely used to sign up back in the day. Um, and yeah, still haven't gotten it. So I might just create another, um, account. It was way easier than I thought it would be. Cause everybody kept talking about how Mastodon's more complicated than Twitter. And it's a little different than the way it works. A little messier, probably the website though. I, so I haven't, there's no real apps that are good yet uh, available for it for your phone. So I've only been using it on the website and it's great on my Mac on my phone. Not so good. Um, the people that create the Twitter app I've been using for years, Tweetbot, are working on an app called Ivory that's going to be for Mastodon. So I'm oh, hoping that's a cute little kind of um, uh, play on words there with the whole concept of the Mastodon, right, and the tusks. I, yeah, yeah I, I never really gave it much thought until now, but yes, uh, it is. <laughs> forced, to, forced to think on on your feet here on a podcast, you are now responding to it. You keeping you're keeping me on my toes. So there's. Uh, an article that just went up on our favorite site that uh, Brian has shares in, BuzzFeed News, uh, by uh, Katie Natopoulos talking about how Twitter just banned posting links to other social platforms. 
and uh, it's an official Kenny thing. also may have inadvertently taken out Twitter spaces the other night. Um, uh, so Elon Musk joined a Twitter space, and she was one of the people asking him questions about uh, how the site's running and stuff, and he quickly exited, and then uh, Twitter spaces has been uh, real janky all of a sudden. He just basically said, I'm taking my ball and going home, without even saying that. He just left. Exactly. And also just the idea there of, I spent $44 billion on this ball, and I'm taking it home. The world's most expensive ball. Yeah, I don't like where this is going. Bye. <laughs> Literally. Uh, I mean, like, listen, like, uh, for a, a tech billionaire, right, a very thin-skinned micro kind of man up there. But, I mean, that's that's the, that's the brand he's forged, right? This is the, the connection that he's created. And, and we talked about this last week. The people, the man's, like, the people love him. He's the man's people, despite him being uh, a billionaire many times over. He's trying to court the side that creates the most engagement. And that's not the boring liberals. No, sadly. Like, he's looking for people that will glom onto things like they do in Facebook, right? What works the best in Facebook? Inflammatory things that make no sense. Okay, so before I forget, what do you mean what works the best on Facebook? I'm kind of curious. Do you mean... For, for engagement, right? Like, what engages people the most? Oh, well, yes. things yes. that uh, play to their... To their tribe, really, right? And uh, what tribe is the loudest on Twitter right now? Because they're super excited because he let his their Nazi friends back. <laughs> yeah, of course. That I mean, like, there's one side definitely that uh, that veers uh, one way, and they're all super, super excited. Double density. That's how Twitter's falling right now. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, eventual resurrection of MySpace. Are you going to? So you're you're I'm not the decided uh, until until something like super horrendous happens, or there's something like that is so crazy occurs that I'm willing to peace out. I'm going down with the ship burning. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not deleting my Twitter account. I'm just not using the um, web interface or their official app anymore. I'm using Tweetbot. Tweetbot's pleasant because there's no ads. It is a, a chronological timeline of just the people you follow. It's a joy to use. The website, which I would use on my Mac, always points me to things I hate. And I think that's by design. What kind of stuff do you hate? Stories that are scientifically false, right? Like climate change deniers, COVID deniers, people that hate all kinds of other people for no reason other than because of what they are, right? Things like that. Don't like, does, does the other side see that they're the bad guys, right? There's that old clip of we're the baddies, right? Uh, David Mitchell, yeah. Yeah, I love that show. Have you ever watched Peep Show? Have we talked about Peep Show at all? Are we talking about porn? No. No. The show Peep Show, David Mitchell? No. No, I no, I just watched their, what was it called? The Mitchell and Webb Show. Yeah, that's yeah. all, that's, that's the title? Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I used to watch that, yeah. Okay, it was on so Netflix. Uh, you should definitely watch Peep Show. Uh, I don't know where it's available right now, but... It's uh, kind of like if it, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, just uh, uh, way more British. We should play Number Wang on the podcast. <laughs> we could. We could try. I would love to see you try that. I've been watching a lot of uh, dystopian, uh, like old dystopian um, uh, science fiction mo- movies. For example, like what? Like Cube or something? <laughs> no, like Exterminators of the Year 3000. Like a bunch of like Italian ones were basically like they're just uh, Mad Max exploitation essentially. Oh, fun. I watched a really interesting, actually super effective movie that'll probably make my top five of the year. And it's a late 80s movie starring Anthony Edwards. And it's called Miracle Mile. And Angela, it is probably one of the most effective movies I've ever seen in terms of looking at 
the threat of nuclear annihilation. That used to terrify me as a kid because, right, I grew up during the Cold War, even though here in Canada we were a little sheltered from it. But It was a warmer I mean, the, war. Yeah, but I mean, if the U.S. exploded, we would explode along with them. So, Depending which way the wind goes, yes. Yeah, um, that was always... And, you know, there's kind of that threat right now with things that are happening, although I feel like it's less so than it was in the in the 80s. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the situation in Ukraine. Like, we're, we're coming up on a year, more yeah. or less. And uh, nobody saw that coming down, which is, I don't like, hopeful, kind of nice to know. Yeah, especially Putin didn't see it coming. No. And, like, you know, some of the people that defend Elon are the same that defend uh, Putin. So it's it's really a, an interesting thing to see. I will say cognitive dissonance is a strong, strong thing. Speaking of Putin, though, the New York Post, our favorite rag on Earth, one of our favorite rags, um, earlier this month... <laughs> shared a story uh, all about how Putin fell down the stairs, sold himself, um, and uh, there's speculation about his worsening health. So, you know, uh, Putin just peeing himself all over the place. I, I think the, the war will end when he when he's done. You think so? I think, I think it's going to be even more vicious when that power vacuum comes in. Really, you think? Because I, th- from, I mean, from what I've seen is that he's really the only person there that wants to keep this going. No one else was for it, but who knows? Do you, I mean, like, listen, like, you and I are, are specialties in geopolitics, right? Hopefully. Like, I don't know if you have a hidden talent in that. No, I mean, it, for me, it's that and card tricks. So card tricks, geopolitics, uh, uh, talking about tech, like a distant third. Yeah, editing pod ta- uh, podcasts, right. like, in 10th. 10th, parenting 12th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Just getting all of these ducks in a row here, all together, all aligned. Geopolitics, number one. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, like, where do we go from here in 2023? I'm not quite sure how to answer that one, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know in social media terms, like, all this fracturing, right? So, for example, I follow a bunch of, and I think I mentioned this last week, I follow a bunch of comic book people. They've on gone to the Hive social network. So I have an account on there to follow them and the things that they are sharing. And, you know, I think the the rise of Substack um, has really turned the idea of newsletters uh, on again, right? Because for a while, that was a huge thing. And then it subsided as social media blew up, and now we're back to, you know, the uh, gated uh, content form of of Substack letters. So some of them, obviously, I uh, do not subscribe to uh, paid wise. I, you know, there's free ones, and then there's yeah. there's certain that I uh, that I pay for too. Well, that's good to support the people you want to hear from, um, and better than supporting a website you don't want to be on. So, you know, you you haven't deleted your Twitter account, but, like, do you foresee a day in the near future when you leave? So after our conversation about AI and photos and all that, I did delete my Instagram account. And now you're letting... So I've created an AI account um, based on you, actually, I forgot to tell you. So there's, like, a lot of uh, mid-journey-style art um, about you that I forgot to mention. Oh, good. All right, we'll put that in the show notes if it's real. It is not. I, I will not spend that amount of time doing anything that isn't a little more self-serving. Okay, good. Um, yeah, no, Instagram, I was kind of done with it. And uh, too many ads now. And every time I go, it just it's it keeps throwing all kinds of stuff in my face that I don't want to, again, I don't really care. So I'm done with Instagram. Twitter, I'm not really posting much on there. Maybe once in a while. I'm not really posting much on Mastodon either, but the people I follow are interesting. So I'm following basically all the tech podcasters I like went to Mastodon within the last two weeks. So I'm following pretty much all of them. 
do you realize like, you know, and like, I don't mean this to, as a call out or anything, but like before you're talking about the other side, right. But it, it feels like you kind of are like on. Oh, one yeah, side I of definitely have my own side, but I mean like, and that's totally fine. I, I feel like the side I follow is grounded in reality and science facts. But for every fact that I sh- throw one way, there'll be a quote unquote study proving the opposite, right? Like, I, you know, I, this goes back to the days I used to argue like 9-11 truthers and birthers and flat earthers and climate change deniers on like the Paracast former forums, right? Like all these people have the exact same tactics of, well, yeah, but this is why this is happening. And no, this is, you know, the earth is flat. And, and you know, once you prove something, they'll just say, no, that's fake or whatever. It's compromised in some way or another. So, so you don't, you don't believe in 9-11 conspiracies? Mm-hmm. Other than they use nine eleven to start a war they shouldn't have, yeah, maybe. Okay, fair enough. I, I think that that's where I draw sense. the line with that one too. Yeah, like I think I mean I don't think there were holographic planes flying into it. I don't think there were planned explosions. <laughs> no, they were not right? planned explosions. No, I don't think so either. The conspiracy was terrorists hijacked airplanes using means of doing it that people thought they weren't going to get back past security, but they did, and it was terrible, and that's what happened. And now because of it, all kinds of other stuff has happened in terms of how, like, what, we're, we're 20 years off and we're still... Have, we're still fighting terror, bro. Yeah, we're still having trouble getting on planes. Like, it takes forever to get on a plane now. When's the last time you took a plane? Like, right before uh, the pandemic, March, right? March 2020. Yeah. When's the next time you're planning on taking a plane, do you think? Possibly March 2023. We'll see. <laughs> okay, Interesting. We'll see. We're not sure. Yeah. I mean, I say March because that's when our spring break is and my wife and kids are off. So it's. Are you working on your. Are you working on your tan lines ahead of time? Like, are you hitting the. I've already been visiting the salon. Good for you, man. Soaking in some some great rays. That's all the things I love hearing. Speaking of soaking up rays, let us head on over to the paranormal section. You took the words right out of my mouth. If maniacs, zombies, aliens, monsters, and madmen are your line, then try this. Double density. The phone number nightmares are made of. Call 1-900-909-CREEP. Double density. Puts you in touch with the baddest of the bad. And now you can be a double density star. Record your own screaming monster madness. You may be heard by millions of double density fans nationwide. Call now. Under 18, get permission before calling. $2 first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, Angelo, we're doing our second segment of Ho Ho Horror. This week, we are covering the uh, classic 1974 film, Black Christmas, by Canadian Bob Clark. Angela, what did you think of the movie Black Christmas? But firstly, no, I want you to explain the plot of Black Christmas, because it is a very, very long and very nuanced um, plot. Well, can I first say that 
And I'm not a, a film connoisseur such as you, Brian. I'm not a, a, a cinephile, as you say. This is a, a more uh, proficient film than uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Would you agree with me on that? <laughs> In terms of uh, film qualities, yes. Yes, right? Okay. I just, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't off base on that. And then you turn, oh, this is a terrible film. I don't know. Silent Night, Deadly Night is much better made. I do feel like this was redemption for last week after what I put you through. You said this is one of the first slasher movies? Yeah, I'd agree it's one of the first slasher movies, right? So people are being indiscriminately killed. There's a there's a, a POV, right? Uh, which wasn't the first movie to use it, but one of the movies that popularized the idea, right? And the, the POV killer, um, you know, uh, look uh, is one of the, the touchstones of the slasher genre, right? Because I remember when I would watch these types of movies as a kid, which I would never let my kids watch them, but... As a kid, I guess it didn't really matter, right? We grew up, I grew up in the 80s, so there wasn't much to do. So it's like, yeah, whatever, we'll go rent one of these newfangled cassette tapes and watch one of these things. But I remember with my friends in grade four and five talking about the Friday the 13th movies. And when I finally saw one of those, the whole point of view thing was new to me and kind of freaky, right? Because you see through the killer's eyes, you're the killer. And this one did it quite well, right? The first time you really see him is when he's climbing the outside of the house, right? Right. Coming from yeah. the park. So, yes. Yeah, so, the entire plot is just an unnamed man. Uh, not sorry. An unseen man named Billy is terrorizing a, a sorority house. I watched this after we recorded last week, and I may or may not have fallen asleep a few times. I think I told you this, but I did actually have to go back and rewatch the last 25 minutes of the movie because at one point, Someone was stuck in a basement. I blinked, and all of a sudden, there's a little boy watching Santa and his mommy going at it. And I thought, <laughs> so is this the killer? And this is why he started killing people? And then I looked, and I was at the beginning of the movie, and I was very confused. But no, Tubi had just autoplayed the next film on the thing, and that was, I think, Evil Christmas. So a couple of things, right? So director Bob Clark, um, more famously known, I guess, for directing another seasonal classic, A Christmas Story. Yeah, it's quite the opposite. Uh, Porky's one and two, uh, you know, uh, the precursor to American Pie in terms of like the raunchy uh, teen comedy kind of thing. De- de- definitely chauvinistic and probably last known for the 1999 mega hit Baby Geniuses. Which one of his films is the best, Brian? This one. And then I'd argue the two that he did prior to this. So Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which I mentioned last week, as well as Death Dream. I think those three um, horror films um, seen together are really, really solid entries. Uh, also Canadian, right? So this was Sean Toronto. Um, even though, like, the star, uh, the cast was mostly made up of American stars, right? So, you know, our Margot Kidder, Olivia Hussey, John Saxon. Margot Kidder is Canadian. So is Andrea Martin, which was surprising to see them in these roles. Uh, Andrea Martin, especially since I'm so used to seeing her in a comedic roles. So she also showed up. So because I hate myself, I watched the 2006 remake. And she's in that? She plays the, the sorority has mother in that one. Oh, okay. The one who, who uh, is looking for alcohol everywhere. Yes. Which I found I mean, she did not. She was not the drunk in this, in this, okay. uh, in the, in the remake. I did, I have not watched the 2019 one. Um, the 2006 one compared to this is real bad real bad yeah this is this is not a bad movie again i didn't fall asleep because i was bored i was just tired uh and i did go back and watch it right if, normally if a movie's boring i will not go back and watch to figure out also i mean we're gonna be talking about it on the show and i kind of wanted to know how it ended can i can i kind of mention that now in that yeah spoiler I but felt, yes i felt lost at the end 
Yes, because you're not supposed to know who Billy is, right? That's the whole point is that Billy is kind of – it could be a number of men in their lives. Yeah. Or it could be a total stranger, which I kind of enjoyed. I like the ambiguity of it. Yeah, and we you know we find out he killed just before coming to the home, right? He killed a, a young girl in yep. the park. That's right. And then he's hiding out in the attic. And then he, he starts by killing the girl who is going to be going home, and her dad shows up sad waiting for her. Yeah, and he, he wraps her up. Yeah. So something super surprising, though, is the vulgarity. So that's the other thing, too, is, right? This Billy character calls a lot, and he's very vulgar. And, like, the language that they use in the movie is very surprising to me um, for, for its time, even now. Well, even well, yeah, I was, I was wondering if it was a, a product of its time because that those are things you don't normally say now in movies. Even in, like, the most R-rated of our movies, some of that stuff is really, really, really bad. I mean, it also drives the point home of, of Billy as a person, right? So I think that really worked out quite well. I Like I said before, I really enjoyed the ambiguity of not knowing who Billy was. He could just be some deranged person, or it could be one of the, the men, or it could be multiple people. I, I did enjoy how, um, let, let's say, badass uh, Margot Kidder's uh, character was. She was great. She didn't care at all. She Yeah, she's just, you know, smoking her cigarette, telling him off. Very 70s. I loved, like, the cigarette stuff in the 70s and 80s movies. It's just always cigarettes hanging off people's lips. I mean, going back and watching Ghostbusters and just seeing them with cigarettes all the time. But the cigarettes played such a great, uh, were played to such great comedic effect in Ghostbusters, right? Like, when it's hanging off his lips and he gets slimed. I think, well, it's all cards on the table. Cigarettes look badass, right? They're really bad for your health, but they look super cool on film. Yeah, that or a toothpick. Oh, yeah, but not everyone could pull off a toothpick either, though, right? No, only Razor Ramon. <laughs> oh, the killer Razor Ramon, right? Was he a murderer? Or yeah, he, he was. Kill yes. somebody, right? We talked yeah. about this, right? He, he, yeah. he was a bouncer who murdered someone in the 80s. I can't keep my wrestlers that have passed away straight. He did pass away. He did pass away, yes. Scott Hall did pass away, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, back to the movie, though. What did you think of John Saxon? One of my favorite character actors of all time. He was the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street and countless other um, uh, horror films. He played the police guy yes correct? the yes the detective i i don't know i don't want to no i couldn't figure out if he was competent or not the the police officer he was he made fun of the desk sergeant right who took down that infamous margot kidder um the new exchange right where she's like it's fellatio fe and she gives the number and the the desk sergeant takes that down do we know if uh, i mean he wasn't in his right mind because he was killing people but was billy an intelligent murderer or just he was like almost feral let's say i don't think so right like he he was more methodical right you see him climbing up the the side of the house he killed the cop on the outside of the house i think he had more of a game plan so i think he was more methodical than uh, animalistic right or instinctive um because some killers unfortunately are instinctive and others um plan ahead uh, which is like both are bad news for everyone involved. Uh, but I do feel like he definitely uh, suffered from like a, a fractured psyche, right? Which was yeah. a very interesting to see. And also like I, once again, like the ambiguity of it, um, uh, the, the way that that was the style of storytelling that worked quite well. I was really, really um, happy with that as well as like you said before, the Margot Kidder character, um, the way it was filmed. I thought the cinematography was really nice. Uh, it really showed off the streets of Toronto looking really good. There's a real sense of mystery to it, too, right? Like, you never really know who the killer is. At one point, you kind of think it's uh, her boyfriend who's upset Peter, because... the guy from 2001. Yeah. yeah, and because he wants to have the baby and she wants to have an abortion, which is 
quite a, a thing to talk about, I guess, in the 70s, right? It wasn't as as open as it is now. No, it is not. And I think that like that adds an an element too, right? Because so you're coming back to, to what you're saying is kind of a mystery is that Bob Clark always described it more as a a thriller or a mystery movie, less so a slasher slash horror movie. Even though there's slashing and horror and horror. Yeah. (laughs) And if you watch this, then you watch, you know, like you're saying before, like Friday the 13th and Halloween, there's definitely like a lineage there of the POV killer. I feel the deaths are less gruesome in this. Than in some of the slasher movies. Yes, originally they're supposed to be more gruesome, right? That's the the more interesting part. And then Bob Clark had decided to, like, he was saying, like, you know what? I don't, I think it, it adds a greater air of mystery and depth if we don't show everything, which I thought was interesting because restraint isn't always um, a tool used effectively in films like this either, right? The thing that made me laugh while I was watching the movie is it brought me back to a very early episode of Double Density and it made me think, who is phone? Oh, the classic Who is Phone, right? So that uh, comes from, obviously, you're talking about the copypasta, but now we're talking about the, the story, right? The babysitter and the killer, the idea that the, the police um, uh, trace a phone uh, call or phone line after a babysitter is complaining about these obscene calls. And it turns out that the call is coming straight inside the house. And what, so I, as I was, uh, I did read up on the movie as well, and something that was pointed out in one of the articles, honestly, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember where, we find out basically because we learn later that he killed somebody before coming to the sorority house, every time he killed somebody, that's when he made a call. Correct. Which was kind of interesting. So you, so basically every call shows that he killed somebody. It was an admission of sorts, yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that I really got mad at at the, the 2006 um, uh, reboot is that they give Billy an extensive backstory, which I thought kind of defeated the purpose of... Something about a sister, right? <sighs> yeah, so he was an unloved, unwanted child. He was in an insane asylum. He breaks out um, to go stalk the people in the sorority house, which was the old house that he used to live in, and his sister, who was the more beloved one, and just, it, it really fell apart. When he was making those calls, it sounded like there were two voices sometimes, or am I wrong? No, so you were right. So uh, uh, Bob Clark had multiple people um, record lines for that um, in order to sort of blend them together to add an air of mystery to who Billy actually was. Or if it was a group of people prank calling. Exactly. So one of them, of course, was the, the Peter character. Um, so the actor recorded a couple of lines there. And then there's, there's also a, a number of people, including a man named Nick Mancuso. Yeah, and you get kind of confused because when the first phone call comes, Peter is in the house. Correct. Which is ironic because the phone call is coming from inside the house. I get it, but he was with them where the <laughs> yeah he was visible away from the yeah. phone. Yeah, he was behind his girlfriend. Correct. And so that's uh, that is a really really good point. So you're not quite sure, right? So I know that you read a, a piece of trivia about this that you really enjoyed. Well, one of the voices of Billy was considered to be uh, in the running for Indiana Jones. Yes, Nick Nick Mancuso. That's right. Uh, uh, a uh, fellow uh, Italian Canadian. <laughs> How interesting uh, and different that would have been versus uh, Harrison Ford, right? And we have the fifth installment coming up in twenty twenty three. I don't know if you saw the the trailer for that one. It's I did. Does not Phoebe Waller Bridge. Uh, I mean, good for her, but I I checked out after the fourth one. Have we? You've, we have we talked about Crystal Skull? I can't remember. But the, the idea of like an alien civilization and Harrison Ford getting to hang out with them, just no. Uh, recently, my son and I watched. All four, and what do you think of the melting face? He was fine with it. He was fine. I mean, the the thing with Indiana Jones is, I watched 
Crystal Skull after everybody said it was crap. So my expectations were so low that I totally didn't mind it. I was one of those idiots who paid to go see it. Oh, no, yeah. See, so I never, I've only just watched it on streaming. And a lot of people also don't like uh, The Last Crusade. And I like that one too. I like all, all the, I like all of them. The fourth one being my least favorite because it's so off, right? It's the, the tone is off for it. Well, I mean, but the idea of him, great hiding, characters in him hiding in the fridge, you know, from a nuclear yeah, blast, that for was, example, that's kind of like, yeah. that was the, that, for a while, that was kind of the new match bark for, for jumping the shark. Yeah, getting in the fridge. Yeah, so Indiana Jones would have been really different with a guy with a Canadian-Italian accent. Do you think he would have said, me, I? Against, yeah, uh, me, yeah. I defeated the Nazis? Yeah, maybe. I think they would have given him some vocal coach. <laughs> me some vocal coach i'm talking with my hands yeah. i'm sorry angelo yeah uh, you're coming being back, very racist yeah i am uh coming back to the the inspiration um for the film though so like you were talking about the the kind of like the the urban myth the urban tale right of of the babysitter and the, the killer and then something else that i discovered while reading this uh about this movie is that it was actually based on or rather roy uh roy moore the writer of the the initial script um based Part of this on a murder that actually happened in an adjacent neighborhood in 1943. So a 14-year-old named George Webster on November 17th, 1943, murdered his mother with a baseball bat and then also injured his brother, his sister, and then someone else, um, a friend of the family's who was visiting from Australia. And for whatever reason, it was stuck in Rory, Rory Moore's head. And uh, so I took a walk earlier today to go film in front of the house itself. So this is a matter of public record. So it's 18 Grenville in Westmount, Montreal. And I decided, hey, you know what? I am 50 minutes from here. I'm going to get my cardio in for the day because it is a steep climb upwards um, in Westmount, to, you know, because Montreal is an island with a, you know, a high center. Well, it's and right it's, there in the name, Brian, Mount. Of course, of course. But I made my way up to go uh, take a look. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, uh, it's always creepy to think that, you know, someone had been uh, murdered there uh, 79 years prior. It's never a great feeling to feel, but I uh, thought it would, you know, kind of add some AV um, to this, so some people uh, mistakenly think that um, part of the script was based on a another um, killer named uh, Wayne Bowden who had done some murders in um, uh, three in Montreal and then one out west. Um, You're making for, it sound like we have a lot of murders in Montreal. We have very little. Yeah, but no. So um, uh, there were three murders between October '69 and then um, early 1970 in the Montreal area in the Western Downtown Core adjacent to Westmount, and then one out in Calgary, and Alberta. I remember as a kid once, like hearing there were 23 murders or something in in Montreal for the year, and then reading a statistic that there's that many murders in a day in some cities. Yeah, correct, right? So that's that's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, also, like uh, this, these are not the heady years of the the nineteen nineties um, in terms of the biker wars, right? So a lot of uh, bikers um, were blowing each other up, shooting each other up. Yeah, our stats went uh, went. So off. there's there's a lot that that kind of variable there um, doesn't exist, right? So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I find it really interesting and added an interesting local dimensions that I did not even conceive of when I started watching the film. It, it never dawned on me that there was a local connection and it was kind of serendipitous. I mean, like in a sad kind of way, obviously, like I wasn't overjoyed to like go run yeah. to this house where this horrific, unspeakable acts had happened, but I figured it was interesting to sort of um, tie that together with uh, the movie that we had watched. And did you post a uh, link to your Instagram on Twitter of you talking in front of the house? <laughs> no, so I put the video up on Twitter of the the sort of like the the um, 
the trailer, I guess, and the video is going to yeah. go up. Uh, you know, it should be up as of right now, let's say. I would hope that if you're listening to this, the video's up. Unless, unless Twitter implements a policy of videos in front of houses uh, for murders committed 70-something years ago being some sort of doxing in reverse. Even though there's like uh, a number of media sources uh, decades long at this point that have been. The media lies. The me- was <laughs> it course. mainstream media or was it, was it alternative media? media? It, was, it was mainstream no, see, media. See, so we can't so. trust anything they say. I know, I know. They're it's in the pocket of big government slash pharma slash energy or something. If people know. want to read more about the, the Webster tragedy, you can head on over to the notes section of this episode to, to get a glimpse of, of that. I decided to add in some stuff there to kind of give some context. Angelo, if you had to recommend this movie to people, like how like how many ho ho hoes or how many sleigh bells or how many Christmas stockings would you give it? We said axes last week, right? Christmas axes. Yeah, but that's because that's trees, because Ricky yeah. was using an axe a lot, right? So now we'll talk about phones. Phone phones, calls. yeah. <laughs> how many phone calls? Phones with like a like a like little uh, uh, tinsel on it. Tinsel okay. adorned phones. On a on a scale of five. Yes, and this is unlike last week. There's just one rating of how um, uh, competent, enjoyable the movie was versus last week. We talked about the good versus bad factor, and then the actual merits of the film. I'd give this a solid, f- like three and a half to four phones. I was going to say, like, what does the half phone look like? It's just it's off the hook. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's just you can kind of see it in the distance, like yeah, off, but it's okay. not off the hook in the other sense of off the hook being like, the, like the, amazing. The sort of slang term off the hook. Nineties from the nineties. That must have been a nineties. Nineties, yeah. I would definitely give it so a four. Something Sonic four the Hedgehog phones. would have said. Four, four phones. Okay, so we're about on the same page with this. Yeah. I, I mean, said like, three and a half to four. Much, much better than last week. It is a much better film. Yeah, it was a much better film than... Oh, significant. ...than Silent Night, Deadly Night. But Silent Night, Deadly Night is one of those so, go, so good, it's so bad, it's good movies, right? That you just have to power through and see where the ridiculousness um, um, takes you next. Versus this, I thought it was a very competently put together film um, with a lot of interesting characters that... Uh, left enough mystery and intrigue that I, at, you know, during the credit scroll at the end, I was like, this is actually was pretty enjoyable. This movie, you can understand why they made it. Whereas Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, you're questioning why was this made? Money, Angelo. And did it even make money? I guess later on it became a cult hit. I was going to say, the cult classic status of it definitely ensured that it made some money. Not a ton, but some. That rhymes. I tried. I tried. Uh, so our next entry and our final entry, I imagine, right, um, for episode 207 will be the uh, film New Year's Evil. So if anyone wants to watch along and then sort of tune in, it is free on Tubi right now. So if you're in North America, you can go watch it there. I'm definitely going to give it a watch. Probably not tonight because I don't want to fall asleep during it. I was going to say, you probably should time it a little bit closer to the episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I will watch it later this week with the children. So now we have to figure out, So this is like housekeeping, but we're going to have to figure out when to record because... Our next recording time is Christmas. So I was literally going to say, I gonna... was, my whole thing was going to be you're a heathen uh, in terms of the, the podcast itself, but you want to be a good family man. So apparently you want to not record on Christmas Day, which is just unheard of. And I think you need to reevaluate your life choices. We'll figure out when to record sometime in the coming days. And in the episode might be a little late for Christmas. Who knows? We'll see. But we'd like to do another one because it is a New Year's. It'll be like a more New Year's one anyway. So It's true. New Year's evil, right? Yeah. So we'll see when we record. Angelo, there's a high chance that I'm just warning you right now that there's going to be another crazy on the loose kind of style plot uh, with New Year's Evil if you're ready for Shocking. that. Shocking. I know. I'm shocked. I know. I know. Surprise. Yeah. Angelo, before we end things off for episode 206 of Dove Lennon's where can people find us? 
Well, they can find this linked on Twitter to all kinds of social media sites. But no. <laughs> I mean, we're still on Twitter, right? So the, the, the show account is still on Twitter. But you can find me on, Am- uh, on Amazon. No, I'm not on Amazon. I'm on Mastodon uh, at Angelo Furin at Mastodon.social. So there I'm, I'm there. Right. You can also find us at double underscore density on Twitter for the foreseeable future, as well as double for density now, podcast yeah. over on Instagram, which I will be posting to you more regularly. Get excited. So for example, um, some people may or may not have noticed, but we're slowly morphing the double density um, canvas in terms of the cover for our podcast uh, this week and next week. Oh yeah. I wonder if anybody noticed the cute little hat on the disc. I wanted to put the hat on the UFO, but it just was too cramped up there. But we have something Plus else going don't on. don't believe in Christmas. Well, yeah, exactly. And then um, with this episode, there'll be an added element. And then next week's, we'll also have a final third element. So watch for it. It's kind of like an interesting kind of thing that keeps us interested in doing the podcast. Yeah. Podcasting's fun. <laughs> Thank you, Angelo. So, That's so the name of this using, episode. So is using uh, Photoshop type apps, which are not Photoshop. I used, I used Pixelmator to make that. Thanks for sharing with the world. That was just a really great app. Pixelmator is a great app if you have a Mac. You should be using Pixelmator because it's a lot cheaper than Photoshop. And guess what? Most of the stuff you would do in Photoshop as a dull normal, you can do in Pixelmator. Use discount code AngeloFuren to get 15% off today. <laughs> that is not true, <laughs> but that's okay. It's a, let's put it out there. Let's secret silent, right, Angelo, that you yeah. want to get big enough as an influencer or a It was a, on a sale on Black Friday. So. so the chances are it's going to be on sale right after Christmas, too. Yeah, it was, um, I think, 26 bucks as opposed to 50-something. Worth every $26. (laughs) Uh, I'm so glad that you spend your days doing math, Angelo. I try. This has been it for episode 206 of the Double Dancing Podcast. And tune in next week as we usher in 2023. Angelo, I'm going to wish you a happy new year early. Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 206. We didn't clap. We didn't clap. We didn't clap. We didn't clap. Are you happy now?